Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today's show is a good one. Uh, it's a really good one, actually. Um, before we get into that, I need to tell you that uh, we have a new sponsor, so make sure you guys listen to everything, take this in, and support those who support us. The best way that you can support me is make sure that you're subscribed to Apple Podcasts. Um, subscribe to the podcast, make sure you're downloading episodes, all that kind of fun stuff. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Today's show is powered by Supergrip ATV Tires, the Supergrip uh, K9. So it is no longer the uh, letters K-9. It is now the C-A-N-I-N-E K9. The Supergrip K9 is a rugged all-terrain ATV UTV tire designed to get you through the most extreme terrains. If you're looking for the ultimate control on-road or off-road, you need to look no further. Uh, I run these on my car, Wyatt Wilson, who we interviewed today. He runs them on his car uh, with obvious great success, which is one of the things that we talk about today. Um, I run the Kevlar option, and so does Wyatt. Uh, I personally really, really like the really, really like that option. I think that it's a um, I don't know if you have the money, it's really worth it. Um, the, the toughness speaks for itself and I can tell you time and time again about how excellent that tire is. So supergripatv.com, supergrip on Facebook and Instagram and uh, if you uh, are looking for tires, uh, there's multiple places to find those but one of our other sponsors is probably your best bet. Before we get to them, the DinoJet Research Incorporated, uh, I think that's the full name of it there, uh, their Stage 2 Power Package is what I run on my 1000 XP. Their Stage 2 Power Package includes a uh, full clutch kit with uh, adjustable clutch weights and all that kind of fun stuff. And it also includes their Power Vision 3 um, tuner. So let me tell you a little bit about the clutch kit. The clutch kit is fully customizable. Everything that you need to do in one location. Uh, if I, I have my car set up for 30 inch tall tires to 32 inch tall tires, uh, and I have it within 50 RPM of where they recommend it, uh, and it works perfect. If anything, I might try and go a little lower uh, and get some more power uh, just down the low end. The cool thing is that clutch kit that comes with that stage two power package is completely customizable. All I have to do is take my clutch cover off, pull that. Um, pull the clutch out and put a little bit more weights in different locations. They have sent me a sheet, uh, pretty much a cheat sheet, to make sure that it all goes uh, according to plan and I can get everything that I need uh, all organized by using that sheet. That is DinoJet.com, DinoJet Research on Facebook and Dino Research Inc. on Instagram. Great guys to deal with over there. Uh, third is Diddy's Big Block Racing. Uh, they recently just put a picture that we posted up on uh, our Instagram and Facebook. Um, I think just our Facebook actually. There's some emulsion shocks, man, uh, that are foamy and milky and he sent us some pictures of some razor shocks that he's working on for us and they were foamy on the inside, oil, dirt, nitrogen had all combined. I really can't stress enough if you're in the UTV world to get your service shock services serviced and if you're in the full size world, definitely get them serviced and get them revalved. It's something I wish I would have done on my daily driver for my Jeep JK back when I built Jeeps. It would have made a giant difference if I had invested some money in the valving on-road and off-road. 
I think that uh, Phil Licciardi, who is uh, the mentor of Chris, who runs Diddy, Diddy's Big Block, has shown that you can really do some amazing, amazing things with uh, the tuning on the Jeeps and also on, obviously, Chris's experience with Ultra 4 and the Rock Bouncers with the Reject Fab cars and all kinds of other different vehicles. They do a great, great job at getting the cars tuned to perform well and ride like a dream. Diddy's Big Block Race Shop on Facebook and Diddy's Big Block Race Shop on Instagram. All Things UTV is where you can go get your Super Grip ATV tires. One thing that they are probably most known for is their spring kits. They have a tender upgrade kit, which I'm actually talking to Diddy's Big Block. We're kind of kind of working on a valving setup that runs on the All Things UTV tender kit because it is an excellent spring upgrade. It gives you an 80% ride improvement. And on top of that, uh, you get uh, not only ride improvement, but you gain some, some ground clearance back, which is very, very helpful. I run them on my car, so there's the testimony. That is the Razor A Tender Springs, and if you're interested in doing a full spring upgrade kit, they have the Cloud 9, which will take your car, convert it to a true, true dual-rate system, give you new upper springs, crossover rings, and new lowers. AllThingsUTV.com, AllThingsUTV on Facebook and Instagram. So, here we go, folks. Our new sponsor of the show is irate4x4.com. So let me just say it one more time. Irate, that's the letter I, R-A-T-E, rate4x4.com. Okay, so here's the dealio with Irate. Recently, a massive multimedia, multimedia conglomerate who buys up web forums and converts them into ad-filled monstrosities converted one of the... OG 4x forums on the web. If you catch the drift, it's an OG 4x forum that you know is pretty known for having a lot of great technical discussion on it. However, if you've been in the automotive-related forum, you've probably seen this happen. Once it does, those communities that get absorbed by these large multimedia conglomerates often dissolve due to loss of control, botched migrations, and a crazy amount of ads. So. The old 4x4 OG forum fell victim to this, and irate 4x4 is here to replace them. Over the last three months, 2,300 members have joined the website. irate 4x4 is just over a year old, and it's simply amazing how a group of people have migrated to a new, excellent, and here's the most important part, family, un censored discussion you really can't say whatever it is you need to come with thick skin because it is time to get honest feedback honest opinions and get legitimate information i know if you're if you're like me i will not you know necessarily take some random guy off facebook or instagram won't, won't you won't and shouldn't take his opinion for what you hear uh just you know someone commenting on a picture, but what you can do at irate 4x4 is you can do further investigation on who they are. You know, you can see the threads that they've posted on, the builds that they've built in the past. It's all their historical documentation, and it's a finally a place where people can post how they feel, uncensored, unfiltered, and uninterrupted by noisy ads. irate4x4.com is the new place for all your technical discussion and all of your 
side-by-side, full-size, race car, Ultra 4, everything under the off-road sun can be found at irate4x4.com. Go over to the website, sign up for an account today, start searching the form. I promise you will have the same experience that I had. You'll learn something new and you'll enjoy yourself while you're there. Last but not least, uh, oh, by the way, irate4x4.com, if you didn't already get it. Uh, letter I-R-A-T-E-4-X-4.com. Last but not least is Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road has been the sponsor of the show the longest, more than anybody, longer than anybody, and been very generous to the listeners of the show. So generous that they give all listeners of the show 10% off with code word ROCKS, R-O-C-K-S, at checkout for 10% off the world's greatest rock lights, the world's greatest whips, light bars, light pods, wheel rings, and all Infinite Off-Road products are covered by a 25-year, you-break-it-they-fix-it warranty, no questions asked. Really enjoy doing business with those guys. InfiniteOffRoad.com. Don't forget the 10% off coupon code and Infinite Off-Road on all social media. Okay, we, we paid the bills, family. Uh, here we go. Wyatt Wilson, uh, Southern Rock Racing Series standout. He did really well last season. He's doing great this year. Uh, just podiumed uh, at a pro rock race in Mid-America. Uh, he's a great guy. I really enjoyed talking to him. And he has the mindset of a winner. So, without further ado, Wyatt Wilson. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us and let's talk about racing on the rocks. All right, we are live. Wyatt Wilson, how you doing, man? Hey, Jesse, how are you, man? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for being on the show today. I know that uh, we we have a, a commonality uh, that, that has been pairing us up here, and I'm really excited to get to talk to you today because uh, you're someone that uh, has you know you, we were actually had a little conversation beforehand. You jumped in the in the rock bouncing and the racing scene pretty recently, and you've gone from jumping in to being super successful right out of the gate. So. Uh, how are you, man? Where are things? What what is life like right now for you? Uh, life is good. It's just uh, life has kind of been on a little bit of a hold here for me in racing. Uh, my youngest son just went to the Navy, and so I was oh, wow. trying to get him all sent off and everything like. That. And uh, we're really just started to crank back up in the racing aspect of it, and so. Uh, trying to get get going back. 2020 COVID's really put a hurting on our whole schedule. And where I live in Kentucky, everything here is still kind of at a standstill. It's back at a standstill. Our governor's kind of really jacked us around. So it's uh, it's been really mm-hmm. difficult for any of our uh, event guys playing anything. And they've had to postpone and postpone once again. So it's just uh, we're really just trying to really get ready to get after this 2020 season, really the, the start of it for us, honestly. So. Yeah, absolutely. I know that uh, I, I, there's, you know, races are getting kind of pushed around quite a bit here. Um, I had planned on being at the Pro Rock races for the end of the year. I'm still hoping to be there. Uh, we're I'm doing the final touches in terms of safety gear to get all the bells and whistles done so we can come race. But um, I'm curious, you know, uh, there was a, I think, uh, Chocolaco got moved or canceled or, or something. 
But uh, I'm just curious, well, what do you think is going to happen for the rest of the season? Man, that's a toss-up. I mean, that's really a good question. I'm not really sure what's going to happen the rest of the season. Uh, we really thought we were in the clear and we, things were really going to start turning around for Kentucky, and now uh, it seems like we're going backwards. So uh, hmm. the, the, the event at Rush has been postponed, and so you know our Alabama our, our, our Alabama event has been canceled, I guess, and then we don't know what's going to happen yeah. with Race to Riches. And so uh, hmm. it, it's, it's tough right now for these for these promoters to really get anything scheduled and keep it on the books. So, yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't know why I didn't even think about race to riches being canceled. That's such a significant event every year. Um, that's a big one. That's a really big one. Yeah. I don't but, think it's canceled yet, but I know that the one in Alabama, the Chocolaca or whatever it was, it, it got yeah. canceled. And so that's, was our next one. So, uh, I don't know that, I don't know that it'll get going before race to riches though, the way everything's going around here. So it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, but one thing I want to talk about with you is, is, you know, you said you jumped onto the scene pretty recently, uh, before we started the interview. Um, tell me about what kind of, where'd you get your pull in the off-road world? And then how did you make the jump into the, one of the most highly competitive racing? Okay. Well, um, we, I'm, a, I'm from a family of dirt racers originally. Uh, mm-hmm. My father raced late models, and we were in that when I was young with him. And, and uh, uh, years, years later, you know, we, uh, my brother and I have uh, Toyota trucks. And okay. that's how it started. We have an 80-acre farm that we live on here. And we started building these trucks. We started putting studs in the tires and, and driving around here on, locally in our place. And so, mm-hmm. um, let's kind of how my full drive or my off-road adventures started. And then it, uh, really, uh, steamrolled into razors, uh, because of Travis Skelton. I blame him for all this. Uh, okay. I had saved for a bass boat. I was planning on buying a boat and, uh, he came over here and made me take a ride in his razor. And in 2015, and that's basically where all this started was getting in his razor and going for a ride around the property and then getting back and having to have one. And it wasn't but a couple of weeks later that his brother and I both end up with one and really started a chain reaction. I, I never thought I'd ever have a razor. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually, some of my buddies, because they, they spent all that money on 900s mm-hmm. years ago uh, before the 1000s were even out. And, and uh, it, it's it's crazy to now think that I have two razors and one one race razor, and we're actually competing in competitions. It's it's pretty nuts. So I, yeah, I never so would you never expected that. So you didn't start with the chassis. You or, or correct me if I'm wrong. You started with a full body, and you were racing a full body for a while. Is that correct? A couple of races, some of the local stuff. I never really. I think I may have entered one SRR. RS at Dirt Nasty in a full body and mm-hmm. raced it up, up and down the hills there at the, new, at the new Dirt Nasty. But other than that, um, I knew if I was going to be serious and really be competitive that there's no way that I was going to be able to do it unless it was going to be in a chassis, of course. And sure. so the opportunity came about um, two years ago in August uh, to get this chassis that Gilbert had built and uh, nobody had, had raced it. The guy that had it built, Tanner Myers, um, he was going to build a house. 
and and just decided to sell it before he ever raced it. So I got yeah. into it reasonably, um, I guess you would say, and then uh, I really went from there. I thought it was ready to go, and then basically we we started throwing a bunch of parts and money at it, and we're still not through yet. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's a built transmission case over here getting ready to get stuck in. I mean, it seems like it's uh, not stopped costing me money, of course, since uh, since. A, but that's part of it. Yeah, it is. But you know, it, it seems. <laughs> I, yeah, it is. I mean, there's not really anything else I could say to that. My question would be, because I know I asked, we were trying to schedule this interview for last week, and you mentioned you, you had lost your high gear. Um, what happened for you to do that? And is that the first transmission trouble that you've had? Well, uh, we went to Mid-America. Uh, well, first of all, let's back up a little bit. Um, okay. So... Wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to race any SRRs this year. And then with the delay and everything, um, Bikini Bottoms came up a couple of months ago, and uh, I was itching to get back at it. And uh, a buddy of mine, Wade Good, called me and said, hey, man, we're going to leave at late at night. You ought to go with us. And so I just actually got my machine back together. And uh, I was like, okay, you know, let's do it. So we took off and went down there. Uh, we raced that race in the, the first race, uh, the first uh, hill, uh, I blew the motor up. So it just had basically sit in the trailer blown up until, um, the Wednesday before or the Tuesday, I guess, before, uh, mid America race, pro rock race. Mm -hmm. And we got it out of the trailer Tuesday night, got it in here. Motor came in Wednesday. Uh, I started working on it. Thursday came around. A buddy of mine, Shane Whitaker came by and helped me in the morning, try to work on it. some. Um, and uh, Josh Hampton with 859 Off-Road came up here and brought my 4CS back to me and he built a cage for me for it and yeah. basically stayed here uh, to get the motor all to help me get going to get to Mid-America so we went to Mid-America wow. went down there and raced uh, we were lucky enough to place third after the combined times of both the hills and uh, we went to the knockout and we were planning on winning knockout, of course, and yeah. uh, won our first race, and then got up against got up against Wade, uh, and I was I was leading. I had him by about a car length, I think, and uh, and came down on the gas because that's kind of what you have to do. And we blew high gear out of the trans. So uh, I watched him zoom on by, and he 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 later went one knockout. So that was yeah, yeah. it is what it is, but that's part of it. Yeah, at least you lo- at least you, you know if you're going to well, get beat by anybody. Here, but it it does move. Yeah. If you're going to get beat by somebody, at least yeah. get beat by the guy who's going to win the entire thing. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get beat by anybody. I don't care if it's Tim or Travis or any of us. So it's not yeah. it's not it's not good for me to be beat by anybody. I don't I tell my sons I only got into this sport uh, to be competitive. I didn't get into this this sport to run ninth or tenth. Uh, I got in this sport to win win events, and uh, you know we we've been pretty fortunate to to come on the scene and, and do well in the bounty last year and and win some events. And you know it's really difficult for us to race on Fridays because I'm a I'm a very small company. Uh, it's just me, and so. Um, it's tough for me to take off and travel on Thursday and go to try to pre-run and, and, uh, it, it's, it's hard. 
it's hard to afford this sport in general. But it's yeah, really of hard course. To afford uh, this amount of work as well as, as the racing part of it. So. What do you think the fix is for races on Friday? Because I, I have more than one driver talk to me about, you know, I race, you know, let's just say it is. I mean, I race pro rock because it's all in one day and I can't, you know, I can't take a Friday off. I mean, what is the perfect solution? Is it, is it, you know, only these people race and they race all day Friday or, or, or do they try and cram it all in one day? Cause the pro rock race gets it all in one day but they don't get done racing until sometimes like super late eight thirty nine in the day. And they start at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, that's a great question. And I think that's why we have so many different series now. Um, you know, I like the format of pro rock. Uh, it mm -hmm. works well for me. It's typically the kind of Hills that I want to participate in. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't love the way the head, the sport's heading because, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe if I raced all these series, then I would rather race like that and the buggy would stay together. But I've always been at heart. I've more been more of a bounty type of, of hill climber, I guess you'd say. And so um, I want to do something hard. I mean, yeah. you know, like we were talking about race earlier, uh, when we showed up at Race to Riches last year, I was confident that I would climb both of those, those hills without them touching them. Um, there was no doubt in my mind that I'd climb hill one that nobody climbed. Mm -hmm. um, and I definitely felt for sure that I could climb hill two uh, before they ever touched it. I felt like there was a line there for us to climb it. Uh, yeah. That's my kind of event. That's, that's what I want to do is, is the hard stuff. And yeah, it does suck when people are tumbling down and things are breaking. And I get it. Uh, and and so the series is that like outlaw that two are running at one time um, you know I think that speeds it up and, mm -hmm. and I like racing outlaw uh, this year they're, they were just so far away from me uh, I mean I think the closest one was like mid-America or actually the yeah. closest one I think was Hawk Pride and that's seven, six and a half hours seven hours away so yeah. um, I, I hate driving honestly I mean I, we're very fortunate I'm very fortunate <laughs> to be here and, yeah and a lot of be oriented right around us uh but but i hate the drives i hate 10 12 hour drives i can't stand it so listen i'm not turning to a girl so listen as a fan i i mean so aop is about an hour and hour and 35 minutes from my house maybe sometimes i mean i didn't even drive down for the ultra four race because it was first off it was easier for me to watch it on the live stream there but all that being said the you know i highly underestimated the dedication that drivers have to driving to these events when i when i realized and i looked at the pro rock schedule for this year and the closest one to me was five hours away and i was just like i like i can't i that is a huge stretch i'm in shock and awe that you know people like yourself and uh like anthony yaunt and people from the northeast that, that drive you know 10 12 hours just to go watch a race that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's it shows you the level of commitment that people have to this sport. I mean, you know, um, I, I just couldn't imagine driving every event was eight or ten or twelve hours away. It, that would be insane to me. I, I feel like I would have to 
get to into something else. I don't know if I could do it, honestly. Um, yeah. I mean, I, there's a couple of guys that were driving before from Florida uh, all the way up here to go to the Pro Rock races. I mean, that that was crazy. You know, I mean, I yeah, I, I just couldn't I parked next to those guys at the at the last race of last year. They're really nice guys. That I think they're Diamond Powder uh, Inc. is their Instagram handle. They're very nice people. But yeah, crazy that they come up from Florida. So yeah, let me ask you. I this. think they're going to be back next season. I think they were just talking a little. That that's crazy. That first off, again, I'll just say my piece. That's crazy to drive that far. But let me ask you this. So uh, the argument against Bounty Hills is there's not enough winnings for the person to put their car on the line. You know, obviously nobody wants to fix their car over and over and over again every weekend. But if the payout was there, people would be more likely to do so. So that being said. Um, you know, my question is how much would it take? Do you think for drivers to start showing up and really hitting those bounty Hills again, you know, what's the dollar amount that makes it worth hitting that Hill? I mean, I mean, as far as there's a couple of different scenarios, I guess I would look at, I mean, you know, some of these guys that come and, and they pay these fees, to come and race. I mean, a lot of these guys uh, have been lucky to ever podium. Um, mm-hmm. They're coming to race because they love the sport. And I think uh, over the whole entire field, what would help would be to uh, to just lower our our entry fees or to take our entry fees away where it make it easier for us to participate, for everybody to participate. Uh, as far as the dollar number goes for what it would cost a bounty, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, race to riches is a, is a great thing. But it still costs us a thousand dollars a piece to enter the event. Um, you know, we're That's crazy. We're definitely not making any money on this stuff unless you would win. You know, so yeah. um, you know, I think it's uh, as uh, as far as people talk about the sport growing. I think it would help the sport if it was just uh, if we didn't have to pay entry fees and that kind of thing. Because you know, the bottom line is that any if you talk to anybody that races, it's going to cost them a minimum of four or five hundred bucks by the time they pay entry fee fuel getting to where they're going um food and 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 everything else i mean they're they're spending four or five hundred bucks a weekend just to race and that's and that's difficult for a lot of people especially if we're having to miss work on friday or thursday and that kind of stuff yeah i would agree with you i I would agree with you and i really making it more affordable Yeah, I I would agree with you. I I think that something that the argument to that is, you know, people tell people say all the time, you know, if you can't afford the hobby, get out of the hobby. And I think that that's a really poor, that's a really, really poor way to look at it because you should want everyone to be there, everyone to, to be there. You know, I mean, it's just one of those things like you may have someone who's just a little bit excluded because of the financial side of things, but if they had the financial side, they'd be, you know, right there in the mix. And um, again, not, you know, not a socialistic idea by any means, but uh, I don't know. I just, I really, I think it's very punching down when people say, you know, if you can't afford it, it's, it's the wrong hobby or find a different hobby. That's not, that's not necessarily a fair statement. I always feel like. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm interested in the sport continuing to grow like it is. So I'm interested in trying to do whatever we can possibly do, whether it's fan base or racers, 
uh, or whatever it is to try to get it out there. Because, uh, I mean, you know, look at the guys from, from Missouri, the Perryville Mafia. I mean, look at mm-hmm. in the last two years, look at how that whole town has basically got behind those guys. And, I mean, yeah. it's not just Adam and 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 the, and the stories and 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 uh daniel i mean it's cr- and shane i mean it's crazy i mean they bring a ton of people in when they come and i mean that's what we want i mean we want people that are good people like those guys to be yeah. in this sport and bring all these people with them and i mean it, it, it's really interesting uh, of how how it helps uh these communities you know we were talking to a guy out there at mid-america that was working for that guy the other day and he said you you know, when those when they have events out there, it doubles the population of the town. That yeah. Well beyond just in the off-road community. All these parks we go to, they're making a big change. So, um, so you were you were cutting a little bit. I don't know what bit. the solution is to to grow the sport, but but uh, well, I think your question before was about what's the dollar figure for the bounties and stuff like that. I mean, you know. I mean, I think it would be nice to distribute that back through the field more than maybe just first, second, third, or, you know, it's nice at Pro Rock, they pay through fifth, you know, Um, I think that helps people get a little something back. I mean, you know, I I think Race to Riches usually pays, used to pay back to 10th place. At least you get your $1,000 entry fee back, which is still, you know, nice. So I think distributing that. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would have to agree with you that getting that money back. I mean, if I knew I got, I was, if I, all I had to do was get 10th and I was going to offset some of the cost, I would definitely be more inclined to show up now. So I'm on, I'm on the other side of the coin where, you know, if I show up to a pro rock endurance race, I'll go ahead and tell you, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I personally don't feel that I'll be, you know, contending for first place. The car is not set up, you know, completely all the way to, for me to push it. The, the budget's not set up. I got a, you know, another kid coming. The list of excuses goes on and on. But uh, what I do is, is I have never had a sensation quite like racing. And I always am, am very vocal about it since I, since I got a chance to race that everyone should experience it at least one point in their life. Because when you're on a racetrack, you've got people bumping you and you're bumping people and you know, it's, you're in the heat of the moment. That's something that I mean, it's really, I've done a lot of things. I've jumped out of airplanes. I've scuba, you know, been scuba diving in caves. I can do, I've done a lot of different things and there's nothing quite like the, the hook of racing. And I just, you know, as someone that's, that's, that's getting into the sport and gets hooked and and sees all these things, you know, if you had a magic wand and you said, I'm going to change the future of rock bouncing in the future of, you know, the razor bouncing, all that kind of fun stuff. If you had a magic wand and said, boom, you know, do whatever you want. What are the things that you would have to do or that you would want to do rather? Um, well, that's a tough question, Jesse. I don't, I don't, I mean, I I think that, I think that I would like everybody to be able to get to the events because honestly, the fans, uh, if they're sitting at home watching it on the screen, it, it it just, you know, it never does it justice. These hills that are flying out here, I mean, it's crazy. 
when, when you see them um, in the video, it looks like you could walk right up them. And there are several yeah. hills that we've went up that I physically have tried to walk up and can't even walk up them. So, yeah. I mean, if, it was, if I had that wand, I would like to transport all these people that can see that see it or are interested in the sport. I would try to get them there because there's mm-hmm. nothing like there's just nothing like going there and seeing it live, being up beside these cars uh, that have 2,000 horsepower, or 1,500 horsepower, and, and and being able to get right up to them. You know, I tell people all the time that they should come and bring their kids because it's if they I say if you like to go to Mon- if your kids like to go to Monster Jam, they would love this. You know, mm-hmm. because you can literally walk up and touch and talk to the drivers and and, and then watch that that car participate. So I, I think the biggest thing is just getting the people to the shows, being making it more accessible for the people to get there. Yeah. You know, I don't know yeah. if that's lowering the cost of the tickets or if just I, I don't know what the solution is, but but the fan growing the fan base is the biggest thing. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't I hadn't really put much emphasis on attendance i had never really thought much about that and and i know that you know that is a large portion of where the money comes from for these things i wonder you know so i look at the schedules for all of the series every year and you can you can plot them out on a map and you know off-road parks are kind of few and far between um but it seems like you know they're always in the same central areas and, and they always race the same parks i think pro rock has done an excellent job this year of running parks out of the ordinary like the chocoloco race and uh there's there's a few other places that they were going this year that they don't typically hit and you know in a perfect world with my magic wand you know we have a race in kentucky we have a race in tennessee alabama we have a race in you know uh oklahoma and then maybe you know maybe illinois or indiana not illinois uh, indiana or you know so he's really spread out the area but then again i'm gonna you know it goes back to my point of well now you're forcing the drivers at some point you have to make a long distance drive does that make sense while we're waiting on wyatt uh really good questions i hadn't thought about audience so let me ask you guys and and for those listening on the podcast version um you know go to our facebook dm us whatever uh, what would you do to increase fan attendance in all of those different places? Uh, all right, I've got Wyatt. Wyatt, can you hear me? I can. Okay, perfect. Um, if somebody out there listening can let me know if you hear Wyatt. If you don't or something's wrong, just let me know. But we're going to keep on trucking. Uh, that's much better, by the way. It's a lot more clear, and uh, I got a, I got a better better response rate from you too, Wyatt. All right. Um, so getting people to the off-road parks that's that's the that's the key plan here um is there anything else that you could imagine that would make you know what what could you do for a draw because mid-america has this amazing you know amenity section and i'm going to pull it up here on the live stream but uh you know mid-america has the pool and the bar and all those things but what what are other things that can be done to get people to show up to these events I mean, Jesse, I'm not real. I'm not real sure. I sure. Mean, I mean, if it can be done, Mid America's doing it right now. I mean, you know, they have drag racing, they have hill climbing, they have the the actual flat track racing. Um, I mean, that is a spectacular venue. I think I all these other off road parks, uh, they should visit if they own and run these parks. They should visit Mid America just to see what's going on out there. I would I mean, agree. Uh, 
last uh last event was the last it was the first time we'd ever been there okay and uh and you know it was it's always great to go and see the off-road family uh but it was pretty cool because of after the uh the survival stuff you know they took a pretty long break and it allowed everybody to just kind of chill and relax there was a bunch of people in the pool and we were all hanging out of course the uh the the other side of the coin to that is you know we didn't get through of course we knocked did the knockout after the racing we didn't get through till like one something in the morning so or like close to that so yeah well it I'm, looks like i mean uh it looks like on fourth of july uh, those of us who are sitting here uh, on the on the live stream they had uh fireworks and they had you know a number of different things uh you know that that's amazing that draw is amazing the pool looks like they had a carnival they have live bands is and this is something that i i have had in my mind for a long time i think the responsibility of these off-road parks needs you know the, the 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 weight needs to fall on them more um and i'll pick on one that's uh close to my house is adventure off-road park um benji i think his name is benji engelberg uh but benji is always online talking to the people who come to his park and he's talking to the guys at ultra four and he asks him you know what do you guys think of this race and this and that and he's gotten feedback from them directly and so much so that at the next Ultra 4 race that it, that's at Adventure Off-Road Park, um, they're actually going to build out a uh, like a rock garden like they do in Reno Nationals. Uh, they're going to have that stretched out right in the, the opening area. Uh, and, and that's the kind of thing where I see, okay, this off-road park is listening. This off-road park is taking notes. And then I see something like Mid-America, and I'm like, I really think that these off-road parks should really start, you know, kind of reinvesting in their trails, reinvesting in their amenities, because obviously it makes a huge difference. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, I love survival. I would like to get in a car and I, I talked to John and, and Jamie. I'd love to get buy one of their old cars mm -hmm. and to pick up, you know, and, and try to, and try to race a little bit of that stuff. But the problem, you you know, because you race it, uh, the problem with that is the draw of the fans. It's it's hard. Nobody can see anything. You know, it's not yeah. like uh, King of the Hammers where they have all these trackers on these cars and you can watch it live feed and you can track exactly who you're rooting for, it, you know, along the way and see, you know, what's happening with them. So there has to be something like that garden or something to, to actually for the fans to be able to sit there and watch mm -hmm. for it to be interesting for them because – you know, I mean, a car zooming by and stopping isn't enough of a draw. Stopping at the the gate for them to check the numbers isn't enough to honestly keep keep people's attention to to make them want to come and do it. So, especially if they're having to eat a bunch of dust. Yeah, so, I I absolutely agree with you. Um, so yes, you're exactly right. Did you by chance go back and watch any of the Ultra Four stuff at? Um, at AOP, the, they, had a, they had the live feed there. Did you watch any of that? I did not. Okay. I haven't had a chance to do any of that. No. So the they, I don't I think it's the king of the the hammers production tent and whatnot. Um, but they had some cameras in the woods and they had a drone that was actually live streaming out that they would kind of flip through. And I know that uh, you know obviously Southern Rock they have their their hosts set up in a in the trailer and. Uh, <laughs> I got a comment back. I said, can everybody hear why? And I got a good comeback, uh, good, uh, good comment back. That you'll have to go look at after this. Um, gotcha. But uh, you know, 
the Hammer Productions, and I, I said this last week, Ultra 4, Pro Rock, Southern Rock Racing Series, that is a world of different budgets. Ultra 4's budget is obviously much higher, and, and I could be wrong, but my impression is that Ultra 4's budget is much, much higher than uh, than, than, the, than the East Coast Series. Now, they were able to do it. They were able to get cameras in the woods. Now, did it was it the best thing in the entire world? No, because most of the time you were sitting looking at the open section where cars were just passed through. I agree with you. Um, but then I think about, okay, from a spectator that I'm actually in the park, I think about Dirty Turtle where the track is totally out in the open. And I think that is just one of the coolest things. It's one of the biggest draws. Um, you know, there's got to be it, – it's not the promoter. And it's in, unless the promoter wants to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into, you know, the, the production equipment, you know, it's not on the promoter to make that change. They, a promoter can't show up and say, hey, I'm going to build, you know, a, tens of thousands of dollars worth of short course out in the open and just have everybody run out in the open where we can all watch. That's not something a promoter can do. That's yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it, it, it would fall on the on the track themselves, the course themselves, you know, the, the, the parks. Uh, I think the part of the problem is, you know, most of the time when you can afford to open up a park that many acres, it's in a rural part of America somewhere. Sure. The property's cheap or they're leasing the ground. And so it gets really difficult That's true. To, do a, to do a lot with it when the property's all leased. And I don't know if, and, and I guess the best example that I could give you for that is Rush, because I think a lot of that property is leased, you know. Okay. Uh, you know, he, that place is is got the possibility to do a lot. You know that, that I love that park. Uh, you know, EB is is just doing amazing things with what he has, and I think that he's getting ready to do some change in there. And I think the amenities are getting ready. Some amenities are getting ready to happen, and and that'll be great because you know there's just no amenities there really. And so, you know, yeah, the difference of that place and having six thousand acres to ride, and then. And then you go to Wildcat Off-Road, which has a great store and nice amenities. And, you know, if you have a problem, there, there's somebody around. But it, it's just it's not as big as Rush, you know. Sure. So but that property's all owned. You know, he owns all that property. So sure. uh, I, I think it's just you, you fight that battle of of these parks are out in the middle of nowhere for the most part. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, and, and, it, and it isn't cheap to own a park. You know, we're kind of sitting here, you know quarterback or armchair quarterback and, and and saying that you know it would just be this easy if you just did this and uh you know it's definitely not just that easy to do something like that uh i know personally from every video i've ever seen my favorite park was pump jack off-road and they closed down because of some insurance things and and you know the the ball just keeps rolling on and on and on but uh, I, I'm, I'm always curious because I think that the endurance side is obviously growing. Rock bouncing will always be the grassroots of the East Coast racing. But, you know, at, just where the future goes, because, you know, again, I've kind of talked about it ad nauseum on the podcast. I mean, we're running out of times that we can run the same hills. How, how do you feel about, you know, when they say rush, you already have a pretty good idea of the hill that you're going to be running. You know, they may throw a new obstacle or something, but how, how does it make you feel that you know what to expect and exactly what to prepare for? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I very first started and I hadn't ever been to any park, I felt like I was at a total disadvantage. Mm -hmm. 
because, you know, I feel like that I'm trying to go and race against, you know, Tim, how are you going to go race against Tim Cameron? It's been to this same park, you know, numerous times and raced almost all these hills and is somewhat familiar with how fast he can go around this corner and do yeah. that kind of stuff. But the reality is, is that each one of these hills for the most part changes every time we go there. I mean, I know it is the same hill. It, I mean, race to riches. I hate to go back right to it, but that's a good example. I mean, okay. that hill had been climbed before several times by a lot of people. And, uh, you know, that it got dug out underneath that little rock ledge and nobody climbed it. Not a, Razor, not a big bouncer, nobody. Yeah. So, I mean, it just depends on how they, how these guys, the promoters, you know, effectively change these hills because they can either get there and dig a little bit of dirt out and make it unclimbable, or they can push a little bit of dirt up and everybody gets up it. So, you know, I think it's it's the fine line and it's a it's a difficult line and I'm glad I'm not in their shoes. Yeah. Like we're, we're armchair quarterbacking it, but I, I can't imagine being in their shoes to, you know, like race to riches when Joey, when nobody climbed hill one and, and could you only imagine if we'd have tried hill two and nobody would have climbed that too? Yeah. I mean, you know, rush sells out almost every time. Yeah. And I, uh, I just, actually, it's funny. I didn't pull it on screen here. Um, I just pulled up a picture of the rush parking lot and it is bananas. How many people that they can get in there. It is absolutely insane. I had no idea that they were getting as many people. I would love to know uh, an attendance on how many people get in there because I'll, I'm going to pull it up here in just a moment. But uh, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Uh, I didn't realize, but um, I, I, I thought it was like 3,500 people, and the fire marshal shuts it down or something like that. Because dude. a couple of years ago, uh, before Travis Skelton and I, either one was racing. If I'm not mistaken, he and his brother took some trucks, some Toyota trucks up there, mm-hmm. and they didn't have their tickets yet, and they were actually turned away at the gate because they were they couldn't they couldn't take any more people inside. Now that they happened that out. that happened earlier this year uh, too at uh, shoot uh, what's the race that they did? Was it Moonlight? Was the very first race of the year, and they had like they had to come out and get the city involved and all this and that because they had reached capacity. Um, that's wild. And and my question would be, you know, is is it are they reaching capacity of how many people can be in one? I mean, I don't know how you track people at like an outside an outdoor event space, you know, that's that's, you know, acres and what have you. For those looking at the uh, screen here, that's the parking lot of rush I was seeing. There's well, I mean, there's probably a thousand cars parked there or vehicles or something. But um yeah, I, it is. It is very interesting to see that you know parks eventually have to turn people away. Um, well, let me ask you this, because we'll we'll get off of them. And and I know there's a few promoters that listen to the show. Uh, again, we're not picking on you. You got a you got a really sucky job uh, a lot of the time. So you know it's one of those things where you know I'm I'm glad I'm not in your shoes because all you know everybody wants to get mad at somebody. So uh, you guys have a hard enough job. But where is your favorite park? And then to backhand that, where have you had the best success in your race career? Oh, um, well, we sprinkled a little bit of success around in the bounty anyways. I, I like Hawk Pride. I haven't really got to ride. You know, the, unfortunately, we haven't got a chance to go ride a lot of these parks. We're so exhausted by the time the racing gets through. Uh, mainly, we just want to go home and get a hot shower. I get it. But, uh, but uh we like to go to Rush. You know, I've ridden at Rush a couple of times, mm-hmm. and, and I like Rush because 
I feel like it's great for people that even that don't have side by sides, they can come and go to an event there. Uh, I mean, my my mom showed up there in a traverse and drove it around, <laughs> and and you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I like that aspect of it. I mean, you know, we went to parks before. Uh, like we went to the first Blue Holler event. We went and only took the race buggy and. Golly, Tasha rode on the hood of it down into the park. We rode, seemed like, for 15 minutes to get to the race hills. Yeah, and so, Blue Holler was where the waterfall was, correct? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's where the waterfall was. Yep. Okay, okay. Now, see, this is that's that's the argument that I always get from you know other people is, well, the good hills are there. They're just way on back in the woods. And, you know, we've talked about it again at nauseum on the podcast, but it's a safety issue and this and that because, you know, DC told me, he's like, there's plenty of hills in every single one of those parks that we haven't ran yet. You just can't get spectators back there and you can't, you know, it's not a safe thing. So my question is how or why did they, you know, it looks like in Blue Holler, they got plenty of folks down there. Was there just significantly less people or how are they making that work? Um, I'm not real sure about that. I mean, I mean, honestly, you know, the reason we raced the waterfall was because Clyde wanted it. You know, the owners had told me that they had, they had other hills that were cut and made that, uh, that we had never been on before, but Clyde wanted to do the waterfall. So, I mean, I get that. I mean, I get that he was wanting to do the waterfall, but, um, you know, in my opinion, rocks suck. I mean, they hurt. They're, they're hard. They don't get, uh, and I've got a bunch of dents on my on my roll cage to prove it that you know mm-hmm. they hurt. So I would rather race on natural stuff and and some dirt, you know, yeah. possible. So when we're rolling down them, it's not so hard of a landing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't care to ever go to any. I don't care to ever race that waterfall again. I'll tell you that. I mean, once was enough for me. <laughs> I understand. I can only imagine because again, it's one of those situations where videos don't do it justice. And, uh, you know, to have one guy, pretty much one guy make it the entire time, uh, between both sets of vehicles. I mean, that, that should tell you just how nasty that thing is in person. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was with DC down there at the bottom of the hill before we started. And he said, what are you going to do? He asked me, what are you going to do? And I said, man, I've never been here before. I'm going to get up on it and just feel it out and see what it feels like. He said, I'm thinking about jumping it. And I said, dude, you're nuts. And he said, well, <clears throat> I'm thinking about it. I was talking to Anthony Yawn about it and I don't know, but I said, well, if you're going to, if you're going to jump it, you better tighten that, those, your front shocks up. Yeah. You know, he's, yep. Yep. I got to go all hard. And we started adjusting shocks and, you know, I don't think there's any way that anybody else would have climbed it. That's for sure. I mean, it, no, nobody happened. It didn't happen. I mean, Bobby tried to jump it. Yeah. I mean, Cozine was pretty close. I mean, he, I swear, if he could have got a, another inch, you know, I think he could have got the rear tires to it and he could have got up it. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's just, that. I mean, that took some balls. I mean, he, he jumped that once and then his, tra- his trailing arm was so twisted and he hit it again. I mean, he was running sideways when he jumped it the second time oh my gosh see these are these are the kind of things and details that that just get missed in the videos so uh there's something to it you know there's something to be in there in person yeah i mean when he was lining up i was telling him i I told him 
I was hollering to all the fans. I said, get your phones out. Get your phones out. This boy's about to jump this thing. And they were looking at me like I was crazy. And then as soon as he jumped it the first time and didn't make it, you should have seen them all reaching for their phones. Mm. And I said, he's not done. He's not done. Yeah. He landed back on the tires. And I knew if it was going to go, he was going to try it again. And uh, it was crazy the, the amount of people that had him out the second time he tried it that didn't have him out the first time he tried it. Oh, my gosh. So, well, I mean, I would probably think you're crazy too. If if you walked up, you know, I know you're a racer, probably just talk to him, but I'd probably be like, oh, he's probably not really going to jump it, you know? And then to have him just full force fly it out there. Yeah. So, sometimes I wish I had a little more DC in me, but I, I don't. I mean, I, that I was a little more carefree, but yeah. uh, that boy is insane, man. I'm telling you, he's nuts. So, yeah, yeah. My uh my bank account's not not deep enough to to have too much DC in me. I got I got very very little. We'll say it like that. Uh but anyways, um so if do you do any trail riding? I mean, I know you mentioned you, you know after races and stuff, you guys aren't really doing much, but you mentioned you have the four seater uh which is again another test subject vehicle which always looks awesome. Um do you guys do any kind of trail riding at all? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're very fortunate to be around a couple of parks uh, that are close. You know, Wildcat, we actually know Terry and the owners of Wildcat. Very nice. So, uh, it's nice to go down there and hang out with those guys and, and, and trail ride with them. And, uh, you know, we get to do a little trail riding, but it seems like when racing season's on, it doesn't, you know, sadly, there's not a lot of time. Uh, yeah it's like race prep and then racing and then trying to do the other stuff that pays for that you know yeah yeah that's a big part of it um but one thing i want to talk to you about is what what are some of the things you know we've kind of glossed over or not glossed over but we briefly mentioned that you you know your time in the sport has been you know surprisingly short uh so what are things what would you say are three things that you've learned that have been the most valuable in your time because you've come right up to speed really quickly. So what are three things that you would tell a new guy? Um, I would tell the new guy to leave his purse in the truck. Okay. Because, <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> I that's like what it. you got to do. I mean, if you're going to come and run these events, you got to, you got to be able to actually hit the gas. I mean, if, it depends on how I would I, I would I honestly ask them how they trail ride because okay. if they're just easing around trail riding, they don't have any business going to a race event. Sure. You know, to try to participate. But I think that I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that that I have learned is that these things will climb crazy crazy hills if you push the gas hard enough. Uh, you know, I mean that's. I've actually shown up at places before them and see the hill, the race hill, and be like, that's what they're having us climb. Gosh. And, and it'd go right up it like it was a, a milli goat or something. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know about three things, but that that's definitely one. I mean, you, you got to have – you got to have the will and the want to, to be willing to, to rebuild this thing on Monday. Yeah. Because that's, that's the reality of this sport. Uh, if it's going to be a good show, it's typically going to be some repairs done. Uh, yeah, that's true. I've talked to a few guys who, you know, they they kind of like pencil it in on their schedule uh, every year. They're like, well, I need to if I'm going to do something, I need to I need to show out at least once, a, you know, kind of once a season kind of thing. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out whether it's worth it or not uh, of showing out. I've been lucky to 
be able to do have some success in racing and not uh, totally demolish a car. Sure. Uh, and I don't know if that's good or bad because I've seen some people that get way more uh, way more coverage than I do, and they've not ever really won anything. So I don't, you know, it's the it's a hard thing to you have to find that line well of of how much you're willing to trash your stuff. I mean, you know. I'm like the underdog of everything. I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I run a very small company. It's just me. I mean, I basically live in a Bobcat or a mini excavator, uh, all the time. And so <clears throat> I guess, you know, it's hard for me to, to just destroy something. Yeah. Cause I know, I know it's going <laughs> to cost me big time. And it's, yeah. you know, it, I don't have any employees making any money while I'm gone racing or anything else either. So, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I mean, I can, I can 100,000% relate to you in that matter, uh, feeling, you know, like you can't, you can't just go blow it just to blow it, you know, and not, and just make a point, but I definitely understand that. Um, so this will probably be an easier list. What are, what are a few things that you would tell a new guy, uh, to save them some headaches in terms of things not to do? I think that, uh, I think that they would just have to, understand that they're going to have to spend so much money at the get-go because it's going to save you money in the long term. I mean, I'm sitting in my shop right now staring at a motor that's destroyed. Uh, I'm sitting out here looking at another transmission on the floor over here. Uh, You know, these billet cases are a good example. You know, I got this billet case from TCP. He finally got these things done. And, you know, by the time you start, you trash a couple of transmissions, you might be better off to have that case in the first place. And and not have to go through that all the time of repairing that trans. So, I mean, that's not the, the, the end of the answer. I mean, that, that, that case isn't going to solve everything. Um, Travis blew out high gear in his, and he has that case recently. So, I mean, you're going to have to have good axles. You're going to have to have good drive shaft. You know, you got to get the power to the ground. You know, that would be my biggest things. I mean, you have to have those parts because, I wouldn't race if I didn't have turner axles and, you know, and a, and an H, uh, a DC built front diff and that kind of stuff. Cause I just, you go through all this effort and energy to get there. Yeah. And if you don't have those parts in, in, the, in these hills, you're going to break something and in there you're going to be trapped on the hill and you can't finish. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you're going to have to spend the cash to be, uh, be a competitive person if you're going to be all in. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to win now, if you just want to compete, then by all means, bring it and come out and compete. You just, you're just not gonna, you're not gonna win against these guys. I yeah. mean, you know, you, you have to push and push hard to win against these guys. You know, when you have DC Thompson and, and Tim Cameron, Travis Gilton, these guys, they're not cutting any slack. I mm-hmm. mean, they're going all in every time. And that's just how it's, how it is. Yeah. I, I you know, what's so funny is, you know, my one of the questions I kind of asked, like before we got started in our little pre-conversation was, you know, I, I want to know what has catapulted you, you know, to success. What, what has gotten you there? And I think that you just summed it up. You know, it's it's the mentality that you have that, you know, not it's I, to me, it's kind of cliche, like I'm not coming to compete, I'm coming to win. But what you just said right there was, OK, we are coming to win. But it's it's deeper than that. It, it goes more than that. We're coming to win, and we were we've been coming to win. You know, four months ago when I first bought this, you know, this diff, I chose 
I chose a winning, you know, okay, let's knock something out of the list here. Front differential, I'm not gonna have to worry. I'm not gonna worry about that. So four months ago, you made the choice to knock that out. Three months ago, you know, last week you made the choice to get the billet transfer or the billet uh, transmission. You know, you're you're making these choices that not just on race day are you preparing to win, but you're preparing to win every single day leading up to every single race and, you know, so on and so forth. And I, I personally think that that is the mind of the champion. I, I talked to the, you know, you mentioned, you know, Jamie in endurance, their, their team that they've got running right now. I don't, I don't foresee anybody beating them for a while because they are great. And it's the same thing. You know, I did an interview with them and they're literally doing an interview with me while they're working on the car and it's they're getting they're getting prepared today for the battle tomorrow and they're not you know they're pulling every bolt they're doing every single little detail about it to get ready for that race tomorrow and i mean that's what you just told me and that's how you prepare that's how you get ready and to me that's why you've been so successful and i and i feel like it doesn't matter how much you do prepare i always feel like i've never prepared enough yeah i mean i feel like Sometimes I feel like I'm ready, and then when I get there and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I'm going over all the all the bolts that I tightened in my head, you know, did I get everything tight? Did I get it that I check everything that I should have checked? Because it's easy to overlook things, you know, and, sure. and that's a big thing. Now, when you're doing race prep, are you going through, I mean, are you are you like pulling front diffs and, and you know, going through them? Or how, how in-depth does, you know, hey, did I check, you know, did I check this? What is What does checking the diff look like? What is checking you know, uh, a arms and things like that. What are, what are some subtle things that people might miss that you could help out with? I mean, you better check your radius rod bolts, make sure they're tight. You better check a lot of this, you know, check your ball joints, check your wheel bearings. You know, it's just a lot of the stuff that you would check your regular car. Mm -hmm. It's just, you better check them. You know, realistically, my, my razor, my race razor hasn't probably got, I have probably not put more than 400 miles on my razor uh-huh. since I bought it in two years. It doesn't, it doesn't travel a lot of miles. It's just the miles it travels are very difficult and hard uh-huh. on it. So it's not like we're wearing stuff out like wheel bearings or we're just tearing stuff up for the most part. Mm-hmm. So you just want to make sure everything's tight. You know, uh, it, the abuse that they do take, it seems like, I don't know how the bolts get loose, you know, sure. you, did, you didn't run this thing, uh, we weren't out in the desert running hundreds of miles. You know, we were, we, we raced for two minutes, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. It, it's difficult for me to figure out how things get bent and twisted and, and loose. Uh, but, but they do. So it's just trying to go over and make sure that something's obviously not, not going to come apart at the racetrack on, on you. And, and, you know, it's that prep, you know, these sure. guys that are out here doing it, um, uh, like Tim, you know, you always go back to Tim because he's, he's at the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that he goes over his stuff quite a bit because how often does he break at the core, at the racetrack, you know, at these hills? It's, true. it's not very often he does. Yeah. Uh, yes, he does have some great parts, uh, but I would imagine he spends a lot of time going over his stuff and, and checking you know, I don't pull diffs and that kind of stuff unless there was an issue at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Or unless it's just been a long time, I might pull a diff and throw another one in. I've got a couple of, of RS1s um, that, that DC Motorsports and HD have uh, have, gave and have gotten me all the internals in now. Mm-hmm. And so we may, we may swap a diff 
mid-season or something. But for the most part, I don't have to. I don't have to do that like a, like before. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's kind of why I ask is you know you make those investments and in parts, and it and it kind of takes a little bit of that race race prep, takes some of that load off by you know. Okay, I know I have the the single best thing that's tried and true and tested here, and I don't, you know, I may not have to be as thorough with that check. If it's not complaining, if it's not barking at me, probably going to be okay. Just give it the once over and then let it be done. Uh, and that peace of mind goes a long way in the driving too, because you know if you if you know, hey, you know that that lower passenger a arm heim joint, it was kind of you know looked looked a little weird to me. You know, it's kind of those like, well, maybe I won't drive the passenger side hard. I'll try to keep it, you know, in, away from danger. You know, that changes your whole game plan, your mentality, and now you're less committed too. Yeah, you don't need to be racing. If you think you've got something wrong with your car, you don't need to be racing. I mean, honestly. Yeah. I mean, some of this stuff that we're going up is, isn't isn't any kind of joke. I mean, um, I would be upset. Like, if you know, some of these kids are young that are out here racing with us. I would be totally disappointed in their adults or something if, if they had something wrong with their car and they let their kid go out there. That would be crazy. But yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's happening. You know, I don't think that's happening at all. Uh, I think that the young kids that are racing with us, like Cash and that kind of stuff, or they have top quality parts and they're going over them, uh, norm, you know, quite often to make sure that everything's, everything's ready. I wouldn't want to put even myself in a car that wasn't. Uh, that I didn't feel was a hundred percent. Do you ever, are you ever worried about the safety of these Hills? Because I mean, you know, call it what it is. Y'all race some of the biggest Hills in the country. Um, are you ever, you know, you, you mentioned leaving your purse at home, you know, that kind of thing. Does your gut ever just be like, Oh, this is a big one, you know? Yep. Every time I must. Really? So yeah, how, how do mean, you fight it? You know, most of the time when I get there and we check out the Hills, you know, if it's a big, if it's a big hill, even if we've raced, you know, like Windrock, we've raced Windrock a couple of times. Yeah. That these big long hills that if you get rolling barrel rolling, you can just keep rolling. I mean, that's it's a kind of scary thing, but yeah, of uh, course. I mean, ideally, you try to keep all four tires on the ground, you know, uh, you know, but um, you know, Wade pinned down there last year and where he raced that two seater, and it was his first event really to race, and he rolled it all the way back down the hill and it was looked like it was kind of trashed when it was done there wasn't a whole lot of damage done to it mm-hmm. uh, but that was his like his real first com- competition yeah I th- and so it makes you wonder what the hell somebody's thinking to get back in a car i mean Dude. that was your- Listen, first time, so. my, my first probably 15 podcasts, you know, if you go back and listen to the first probably 25 hours of the show, uh, it is me asking everybody, what is wrong with you? Why would you do this? Because you're crazy. Uh, even the guys that I go locally ride with, like they'll climb some stuff and I'm just like, Lloyd, where is the bypass? Because I don't call, you know, part of me is like, I trust my cage. I trust everything about what I've got but I don't even want to put myself in the situation because it's crazy, man. Uh, you guys, you guys are next level for sure. Well, I think that's why it's important to get the people out there. I mean, I sure. think that if the, if we could get the people out to the, to see these Hills and, and watch the events live, um, I think that that would, that's the solution to trying to grow the sport. I mean, if we could sell these out, these events out every time, you know, where there we were having to have the fire marshal there, that's what would, would be awesome. Yeah, you know, that they were shutting the gates every time. 
you know, I don't know what that solution is. Uh, if it's lower ticket prices or, you know, figuring out how to fit more people in there so we can't shut the doors on it, but it, it's getting the people there to see it. I mean, that's, what's going to keep this sport from not growing is, is not getting the fan base built. Sure. So, sure. Absolutely. I agree with you. Um, so last thing I really have for you is to talk about the buggy and, and your future plans. Um, what are the things on the buggy that you, you like the most, or you think have made the biggest impact to your performance? Well, of course I've got some sponsors. Of course I've got, I've got super grip. Of course, uh, the canines are, are, are great added, uh, bonus. Uh, they are a great tire. Um, I've got some, the Turner axles, you know, it's keeping that power to the ground. Yep. Um, we got some power from DW performance. You know, he's out in like Utah, he's out West. Um, and we've had a lot of success with that. You know, LMW has stepped on board this year and we've got some of their parts and we've got some more of their parts. Uh, you know, 859 Off-Road has, has stepped up and they're really going to help me out. Uh, we're going to build a new chassis. We were going to build it in this off season, Ooh. but we didn't have an off season this year. And we'll have all LMW fab stuff on that chassis. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just trying to keep, keep these good parts on there these keep these good companies behind you you know uh we got we got these shots from from gary hinkle with g-force you know all these major guys you know paul wolf travis all these guys are running these g-force shocks you know it's it's not just because of he knows what he's doing it's also because the people in the sport i mean you know gary is such a nice guy i mean you know we go over to like we were talking about Jamie and John and those guys. I mean, those guys are the people in this sport are are always amazing, man. How generous and how nice and how willing they are to talk to you. I would agree. And go through things with you. I mean, you know, I guess last year at Rush, the race to riches was the biggest eye opener for me because I hadn't been in the sport an entire year yet, and. uh I was leading the bounty points in the SRRS by de- a decent amount and uh, going into Race to Riches, a pro rock event. I blew the transmission out climbing hill two when we got to the top. I blew it completely apart. Before I left the park, there were three people that offered me their transmission so I could race the next weekend. I think it was the next week, the next weekend or two weeks after that, to take their transmission out of their vehicle and give it to me so that I can make sure I can make that race. You know, a couple of these guys, I hardly even knew. Yeah. You know, it, there is, there is no sport that I could ever imagine being a part of that, that people would take parts off their car so you could go and, and win a championship. I mean, that's just unheard of to me. Yeah. That, I, that's uh, amazing. And before I made it home, there was a fourth guy uh, that told me, Hey man, you just come down here Thursday and on your way to, to the finals at Bikini Bottoms, and we'll pull mine out of my car. We'll put it in your car. You can stay here, uh, and then you can go on down there Friday. You know, I wow. mean, it, it's crazy. The people is what is what makes the sport, and yeah. that's why it's it's hard to get away from this sport because of these people are just – it's insane how nice they are. You know, whether they're racers or fans or whatever, um, it's, it's, it's a blessing to be a part of it. I can say that. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. I love hearing stories like that because that kind of generosity has been shown to me as well uh, from from John Arnold and, and uh, Gary and all those guys and Jamie. 
you know, I, I was out there doing a one man crew at my, at the race I was at. And, uh, they just they were like, Hey man, like, what do you need some help? Like, do you want to, what are you working on? I was like, Oh, I'm just pulling, you know, pulling new hubs and wheel bearings and everything. And they're like, well, let us know if you guys need anything at all. You just, you know, just come over, come use our tools, use our parts, whatever you need. And I was just like, Oh, okay. And, and I kind of just took it as, you know, face value always being nice, you know, but, um, it's so funny when I got him on the podcast, I talked to him and he's like, do you remember what I said to you? And I was like, honestly, I have no idea because it was such an overwhelming experience. He said, anytime, pull up next to us, anything you need, we'll, we'll get to get you taken care of. And, and just by the way he said it and the, and the fact that he said it again, um, it really speaks volumes to, to the authenticity of these people for sure. No, oh, those guys mean that. I yeah. Mean, it's not something they're saying just cause they're on a show or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Those guys literally mean it i mean you know i've been in business for over 20 years i've been very fortunate in my life and I, and i have met a, a small number of people that have treated me really well even when i was young or whatever and, and i mean even successful people of people that i've been around a, a lot of people that have had plenty of money but they were never as nice as as the people that you encounter out here in the off-road community i mean yeah. it is absolutely mind-boggling to me of, of how, how nice and giving and just, even if it's just the information, even if they're not giving you something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Nathan Wolf, you know, he, he talked to me and be like, well, why did you do this? And, you know, I don't have the answer. I don't, yeah. I didn't really know why I did that. I, you know, why'd you get off the gas here? What you, what were you doing here? And, you know, he was only doing it because he wanted to help me. He yeah. wasn't doing it to bust my balls, which is part of it. But, sure. you know, it, there it's it's just kind of crazy even though you're going to compete against his brother you know in in a little bit it, it's it, he's still wanting to know and want to help him yeah so that's it's just it's just a really a really different thing that i've never been a, a part of in my life you know yeah i would agree with you and i think that that's a really uh that's a that's a feel good that's a feel good moment right there um and I love that. I love that everyone gets treated that way because it's not just you that we hear that from. It's so many different people. And I just, I love that. Um, but Hey, where can people find you for the rest of the season? Are you going to round out Southern rock? Are you going to try and uh, finish up pro rock this year? What's it looking like for you? Yeah, we're going to race all the pro rock stuff, whatever they race will be there. And I'm going to try to maybe hit a couple of renegades. That was our plan early on. Yeah. Once I blew the motor up, uh, we, and everything got all crazy. We didn't hit any of those things, but mm-hmm. the plan at the originally at the original at the at the beginning of the season was to hit all the pro rocks and all the renegades, and then fill in whatever we could fill in from there. Uh, I, I hope Outlaw comes back closer to us next year. I really liked racing Outlaw last year uh, with those guys, so I'd like to race those get with those guys again. And so, you know, that, that's that's pretty much it. I mean. Well, I'm sure we'll be racing some stuff at Dirt Nasty. They always have some standalone stuff. And uh, I could imagine seeing a lot of standalone events here. Uh, with the craziness of COVID here, and it's busted up the schedule so bad that, uh, you know, some of these parks didn't get to have an event. And mm-hmm. so I think they could probably have one um, after kind of the seasons have, yeah. uh, have wrapped up. So I'm looking forward to just, just getting some single events. Uh, is, is dirt nasty? Do they have uh? Well, what kind of trails are there? I know they have some pretty um, nasty hill climbs and stuff like that. But trail wise, is it worth the drive from Nashville? 
Uh, it's a smaller park. I mean, it's, you know, I would, I would think it was be close to like wildcat size or something. Okay. And Toby and Toby and those, those guys are, are, uh, you know, they're making some headway and trying to do different type of events and they're, they're, they're getting there. I mean, it's a great place for spectators because mm-hmm. you're elevated. So you don't really notice how tall and long the hills are because you're, about midways up from you're on the other side of the hill almost yeah it's really it's really close in that little ravine so it's great for spectators because the parking lot's right there too it's like even closer than what rush is and they're they they've just swapped facilities you know they were in a smaller place and now they uh they've changed over to this place i think two two years ago or something okay so they've just enlarged their parking lot so they're they're building their big office it's like a giant cabin there and so you know, they're developing that place. It's like everything else. They, I mean, it takes a ton of money to do this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, any, any last words or anything like that before we close things out? Because I think that's great when people, uh, if they want to come see you for the remainder of the 2020 season, um, obviously you're going to be building the chassis in the off season. Super excited. Do you think design wise, you're going to make any big changes from what you have now? Yeah, I'm going to be able to see out of this next one. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. I love if it. You, if you notice, when uh, if you look at any pictures of me in, any, in this chassis, it was definitely not built for me. I'm like 6'1", and the guy that it was built for, I think he was like 5'8", or something. I don't know how tall he was, but it I can't see out of it. And if you look at pictures taken on from the front of me, I mean, <laughs> it cuts off like the top of my helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really yeah. difficult to see out of. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I can imagine so. Climbing hills, it's kind of hard because you can't really see the hill. So Yeah, that's one thing that people always kind of forget is you really, I mean, you really have to look up when you're sitting at the bottom. It's it's really an upwards look rather than, you know, I'm just looking straight out of the out of the gate there. Um, and I'm or it's funny, I've got a picture pulled up of the straight on shot. And yeah, you're exactly right. It looks like it's about right at eyebrow level with you. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it was not made for me, but it's uh you know, it's done the job and and I feel like I could race a cardboard box if I had to. Yeah. But, but, uh, but you know, we've had some success in this buggy and we've twisted it up and we've straightened it back out a couple of times. And I mean, it still performs. So we're going to finish out the season in it. And like I said, eight, five, nine is going to get me in a new chassis. And, uh, I'm, I'm actually super excited to, to put all these L and W parts on it and really see what a uh, straight car, uh, drives like. Sure. Yeah. No, I get yeah. it. It's funny how, you know, it's, it's, you, you keep a machine for a while and then you forget what a, you get a new one and you're like, Oh crap, my thing rides like a piece of junk. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it it still does well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's I, I did. Let me, let know? me, let me roll it back. Your, yeah. your race car is not a piece of junk. I'm referring to <laughs> when you, uh, you know, steering gets a little thing and you start realizing you know you realize huh i don't really have to like turn it this way and then it's little details uh piece of junk was an overrated term let me say that well you know it's it's sometimes i'm calling it a piece of junk myself so i mean it's part of every every vehicle i've ever owned is a piece of junk if i've owned it in the past whatever i have right now is a slightly less piece of junk I feel like it's always a piece of junk until you go to sell it. Like, oh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I've climbed everything. <laughs> well, oh, there's, a, there's a lot of videos out there that will testify that it's climbed a lot of things. I don't know if it's climbed everything, but it's climbed a lot of things. That's so. fact. You get your your guys' buggies come with a uh, you know not only a bill of sale, but y'all come with a a full rap sheet of videos of just exactly what it'll do. Well, I 
feel like too, like every time we've twisted it, I've twisted it back and we've braced it or we've done something else. And so it's probably better now than it was stronger now than what it was when we started. Yeah. So, you know, that you learn the weak points and you learn what, what you do better next time. And so that's, that's part of the game. I mean, you know, I've just gotten started in this stuff. And so I don't plan on going anywhere. I plan on being around for, you know, several years anyways my kids are all old and they're leaving me so yeah that's kind of why i've gotten back into this because i've kind of have a lot of seems like a lot of free time on my hands now with my kids running off so yeah well i'm i'm older than a lot of these guys out there that we're racing against so that's part of it i guess maybe i'm 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 on the flip side of that and i got i got young ones coming so uh, you know, I may have a, a short hiatus, but the podcast will continue. <laughs> so, you know what? The best thing is getting those young ones out there, and y'all got to get out of that two-seater, get you one of those four-seaters, and pack them around with you. Oh, I've been so. ta- I'm already talking to my wife about it. I thought I had her convinced uh, before we got pregnant, and then she was like, the baby's not even here yet. What are you doing? And I'm like, you said I could, and we had that whole conversation. <laughs> so I'm, I'm working on it. Don't worry. I'm working you on should- it. How long have you been married, Jesse? We have been married since last October, so it is brand new, fresh. Okay, so um, I'm not married now, but I'm engaged, been engaged for a little while, and I'll give you the best piece of advice that I could give you, is that when she says you can, you better do it right then, because she may change her mind. Listen, listen, I already had my razor sold, and and I, like was going it was the it was the world's most uncomfortable situation because i was like hey i sold my razor today and she goes why i was like well i'm, I'm going to pick up the other one tomorrow and she goes i like like obviously insert uh conflict and then i had to i had to call the guy and she's like hey man there was a little bit of miscommunication at my house and uh i'm sorry but this, this is not gonna work out and i felt so bad and it was just you know it was one of those things where i think i've got the two-seater for a while and until until everybody can get a little bit more comfortable in a in a in a razor, I'll probably have the two seater, which I can't complain too much. It's a good car. Yeah, I mean that's part of it, man. Just getting out in the woods and getting out outside, period, and getting kids out of the house is the best thing I can imagine for them, anyways. You know, yeah. just that's a huge selling point for me. I wish I I wish I would have been able to afford these cars when mine were younger mm-hmm. you know I, I wasn't in the position to do so i was building houses and that kind of stuff and so i was never in the position to own a own a four seat razor or an razor in general either so um i'd say just get it and get them out there you know get them outside yeah so yeah certainly so well Wyatt, with that we're, we're an hour and 15 minutes or so uh i'm not going to take any more of your evening because i know dinner and all that kind of fun stuff are just around the corner for probably both of us so uh i appreciate you big time for taking the time to come on the show uh anything last words before we uh sign off here no man i mean uh, I guess I could run through real quick and just go through, uh, you know, a force super grip, Gary Hinkle with G force, uh, Dave Carter, DC motorsports, Brandon with HD extreme off road, Turner cycles, DW performance, um, PCI pro custom imaging, uh, extreme racer performance and Trinity racing. Those guys are standing behind me as much as possible. And I appreciate every, everything that they do for me. So that's pretty much it for me, Jesse. I appreciate you having me on here and, and us chatting for, for a bit yeah no problem stay on the line with me and with that everybody at the podcast world we'll see you next time thanks guys hey everybody thanks for listening to the show i do appreciate it big time make sure you guys are following us on facebook instagram and subscribe to an apple podcast also make sure you guys check out super grip atv the no flat uh 
pretty, I don't want to say guaranteed necessarily, but those Kevlar tires are awesome. The standard tires are not quite as tough, uh, and, and the uh, intermediate compound may not be as tough as my experience. However, I can tell you this. The standard compound is plenty soft and also very strong in that Kevlar. My Kevlar standard competition, or standard, uh, the word's eluding me. The standard compound, there it is. The standard compound is very, very tough. If you're looking for more performance and maybe a little less rigidity out of the tire, I would highly recommend you check out the intermediate tires. Gonna life, life expectancy won't be as long necessarily, but the performance may be vastly different. I need to get my hands on a set so I can give you guys my own opinions. Last but, er, sorry, not last but not least, Dynajet Stage 2 Power Package, mentioned it earlier, the other piece of the puzzle outside of the clutch kit is the PowerVision 3 tuner. The PowerVision 3 tuner is awesome because it can hold multiple tunes at once. It is customizable tunes, which is uh, really, really cool. Um, I can actually go in there and build my own tune. They have a really crazy, I mean, it's just so cool that I can go in there, open up all the tables, do whatever I need to do. Really, really great. They have the Power Core software, which allows you to go in there, see all of the log data that you've been logging on your rides and make adjustments from there. And I wouldn't go too crazy, but you can do whatever you feel like you need to do. Dynajet.com, Dynajet Research Inc. on Instagram and Facebook. Diddy's Big Block, best in the business for shock tuning. If you're full size, I highly recommend it. If you're UTVs, we're getting the ball rolling. Uh, Chris is really starting to get the ball rolling with uh, the UTV side. We're going out for a test and tune day, and he'll really get uh, some more experience under his belt with the UTVs. And before you know it, he'll be offering complete top-to-bottom UTV kits with very, very, very competitive prices and quick turnaround. Chris is the dude, and he is absolutely awesome and knows exactly what he's talking about. He also is a parts supplier for many different parts, whether it be suspension-related or uh, basically everything you need to do a turnkey build on a buggy. Chris is the best. Diddy's Big Block Race Shop on Facebook and Instagram. All Things UTV just came out with a whole bunch of Honda Talon accessories and upgrades, so if you're a Talon rider, give them a look. One thing that I highly recommend that you cannot find anywhere else is the inner fender liners for all the vehicles. They just came out with the Pro XP version. Basically, the firewall that is in front of your feet uh, when you ride is plastic. And if you were to run into something, it would not be good. Let me just say that. I've seen sticks and stuff come through and, and pale people and all kinds of other crazy different things. So, um, eh probably wouldn't recommend it. I'll just say it like that. So that being said, go to All Things UTV and pick yourself up some inner fender liners. AllThingsUTV.com, AllThingsUTV, Facebook and Instagram. And our new sponsor, Irate 4x4. I-R-A-T-E 4x4, 4 it's just 4x4 is the 4x4 there. Uh, really cool stuff. They have a very readable user interface, which is a really big deal to me. Uh, I'm just on their website right now, and I'm looking at the, you know, the basically the opening page, and there's a ton of action here. Uh, just under the Jeep uh, little section here, there's 2,115 
posts that have been made and for some crazy reason a thousand posts about Ford. Y'all need some help, you Ford people. Uh, <laughs> Tow rigs and trailers has over 2,200 posts and things like that. So not only is this off-road centric where you can get plenty of technical information for your off-road vehicle, but this is the place to go from everything from Dodge, trucks, Jeep, Land Rover, Mercedes, general 4x4, newbie stuff, side-by-sides, tow rigs and trailers, and even a marketplace for vendors. Uh, and in Chit Chat, there's 54,000 posts. So there's not a lack of content, is what I'm trying to say, folks. It is a very useful website, and it is the new era of 4x4 forms. That is irate4x4.com. When you sign up, make a post, tell them you're new, and tell them Racing on the Rock sent you. It'll be awesome. It'll be the best. And last but not least, infiniteoffroad.com. Infinite Offroad is the best, and uh, I really enjoy doing business with those guys. They take such good care of me, and I just am so happy to do business with them. Uh, infiniteoffroad.com. Infinite Offroad has light bars, light pods, whips, wheel rings, and all kinds of other fun stuff. Make sure you give those guys a follow. Check them out. They're super popular, and they're so good to deal with. So all that being said, infiniteoffroad.com, Infinite Offroad on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, that's it, folks. Hope you have a great night. Thanks for listening to the show. Let me know your thoughts. That does mean a lot to me. All right. See you.